Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've wrapped up our sermon series last week on the most excellent way of love. And we talked about Peter, if you remember, and how Jesus not only loved him by dying on the cross for him, but he loved him so much that he reinstated Peter. He restored him to his calling and to his place as a disciple. And so we're going to look a little bit at Peter's life again today. I kind of want to revisit that uh, this morning. And also as we start out our new school year coming up, in St. John's we have the huge school. It's one of our biggest ministries here. We're kind of putting the reset button and looking at our mission here at St. John's. Now, St. John's mission is uh, to deliver, get that slide up, the restorative hope of Jesus. Now, we ultimately achieve that by living our lives as disciples, disciples uh, who connect to God and who grow together and share Christ. See that up on the top there uh, of the slide. In fact, when we do that sharing Christ, when we share Christ with our words, when we share Christ by serving others, when we share Christ by giving of our resources, we are in essence delivering the restorative hope of Jesus to the world. But this morning, I want us to pause a little bit and kind of think and talk about what do we mean by restorative hope of Jesus? There's a lot that could go over that. We could, we could preach a whole sermon series over that. But when we look at Peter's life, we sort of see a snapshot of what that is. Because Peter was broken after he denied Jesus. He denied Jesus three times, if you remember. The rooster crowed, and he was filled with shame and guilt. He wept bitterly. He fled the scene. Then Jesus went to the cross, died for Peter and for all of humanity. If you remember, Peter said that he would die with Jesus. He committed to be with Jesus. He had so much courage, but then at the final hour, he denied Christ. He was filled with guilt and shame. Jesus went to the cross by himself, and Jesus rose from the grave. The women went to the empty tomb that first Easter morning, but Jesus had a message for Peter and the disciples, and he gave it to those women at the tomb, the empty tomb. He said through his angels, go tell the disciples and Peter. I'm going to see you up in Galilee. And then up in Galilee, Jesus sees Peter, and Jesus reinstates Peter. He, in essence, restores Peter to his life as a disciple, as a follower, as a member in the kingdom, as a family member. And he gave Peter a job to do, to feed the sheep, to guide the sheep, to take care of God's people. You see, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for Peter's sins and to give him eternal life. He did that. But he also gave him new life, new life on earth. He gave him a job to do. He was restored so that he could restore others. And so Peter spent his life doing that. And so you see that word restorative is important. God is in the restoration business, okay? Now, we live in, we're here in Old Town Orange, right? So we know a little bit about restoration, right? If you drive around Old Town Orange, you always see those signs up in the front yard that there's something being restored in some old, cool house here in Old Town Orange. And restoration is different than remodeling, right? I mean, you can't come into Old Town Orange, buy one of these cool houses, and knock that thing down, right? You can't even remodel it to a different way. You'll go to prison for these things in Old Town Orange, <laughs> right? They, they're, they're, yeah, they police that stuff. you got to restore the home or the building or the church. You're called to preserve it here in Old Town Orange. You bring it back to its original condition as much as possible, and we know that as a church, right? Remember about five years ago? Remember our historic sanctuary? 
When we restored it, we had the scaffolding up there and all of that around the historic sanctuary about five or four years ago. We even had a sign up in front of it that said, please pardon our dust during St. John's Sanctuary Restoration Project. We restored our sanctuary. We didn't remodel it. We didn't tear it down and build another one. We restored it. In fact, we actually brought it back to more than the original state than it was. We went through pictures and drawings and letters and talk about how it was when they first built it, and we restored it as much as possible to the original. And after all of it, it looks pretty awesome, right? You can also go around the corner and check it out right after church this morning. But restoration is important. Restoration involves getting back to the original, getting back to the way it's supposed to be, getting back to the way it ought to be. And you see, God is in that sort of business. He's in the restoration business, but it's not buildings in Old Town Orange. It's restoring all of creation. Now, the pinnacle of creation is us as humanity, but it's not only us. We are part of all of God's heavens and earth, the whole of creation, which he is restoring. And so many Christians talk about God's big story, his big narrative, and how he is working in the world with humanity. And they summarize it in these four big parts. Uh, Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Four big parts of what God is doing in the world. In our Discover class, which is our kind of new member experience, I spent a whole hour teaching on these four parts of what God is doing. But something that is important for us to be honest when we look at those four things is if we're honest with ourselves as Christians and the way we've talked and the way we've sort of lived out our Christian faith, we in some ways have reduced Christianity to number two and number three. We focused only on the fall and redemption parts of the story. We've sinned and Christ died for us on the cross. He's redeemed us by his blood. It's awesome. It's the apex of what God is doing. It's the center of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. But it isn't the whole story. The story begins in the context of creation. The story begins in the context of a perfect garden, Adam and Eve living with God in the garden. And that story ends with restoration, with God's promise of restoration, a restored heavens and earth, all of creation. Creation and restoration are the bookends of Christ's earthly work. And for us as Christians, they ought to shape our life here and now in the world, getting us the big picture. See, back in the very beginning, God calls his creation very good. And in Genesis, it poetically talks about the story of God breathing life into humanity. Breathing life into us, forming us in his own image. And when you start the story there, you realize that all of humanity is created in God's image. and explains why nearly all of humanity is wired in some capacity to love and to be generous and to be creative and to be kind and caring. And so when we look at the origins of creation, it explains a lot about who we are. Creation shows us how things ought to be, how things should be. Creation explains our fascination with beauty, our hunger as humanity for relationships with other people, our desire to see goodness in the world, our desire to see justice in the world. It explains our longing for a transcendent God. All of those are cues and echoes and reverberations of what happened in creation. 
You step forward to the fall, however, that accounts for our separation from that original creation, our separation from God. And corruption entered into the world and into our lives when Adam and Eve, they took the fruit and basically they turned their backs on God. But you see, if we only talk about the fall, if we begin the story with number two, we miss the importance of the flow of creation and how the story flows from the fall into redemption. Redemption is that Christ came into the world to satisfy our sin, our debt, so that we could be right with God. That's redemption. But also Jesus came so that we could experience a new way of life, a new way of living. We're going to sing about that in our last song today. But it's a new way of life that looks a lot like creation, like the garden. It's like going back to the original. It's restoration. God longs to restore not only his image in us, that image in which we were created, that image in which we are recreated in Jesus Christ. In redemption, Christ, the work on the cross, that's the beginning of that restoration work in our lives and in the world. I mean, we see Jesus throughout his ministry. He's ministering to the poor. He's ministering to the sick. He's ministering to the, the helpless and the hurting. And he left a wake of healing and restoration till finally he offered up himself. Jesus, the suffering servant, paying for all the sins that sort of rippled down from the garden all the way to the cross, all the way to today and into the future, Jesus died for all of it. But when Jesus died on the cross, he began to turn his back on the bad deeds that were done in the good garden. Through his resurrection from the grave, he begins this new age that we are living in, this new age of hope on earth. And 2,000 years later, after Jesus, that hope is still alive. And that hope, as we call it, is restorative. Because, you see, we believe that when Jesus comes again, ultimately, at the end of the time, he's going to completely and radically restore all of creation, all of the fall, all the brokenness, all the corruption will be gone forever and eternity. But until then, he's working through us. His body to bring restoration to this fallen and broken world. That is what he restored Peter to. That's what he's restored us to. We are trying to restore the garden that created in creation. Because back in the garden, before the fall, there was peace between God and humanity. There was peace between humanity and each other. The world was marked by simplicity and elegance and beauty in the garden. There was no violence. There was no corruption. There was no deceit. There was peace. There was harmony and beauty prevailed. God is in the business of going back and restoring all of creation. Now, that's not like restoring a house in Old Time Orange or even a building on the corner over here called our historic sanctuary. I mean, this is an epic restoration project huge proportion and it just doesn't involve us being right with God that's where it starts but it's God being right with us and with all of creation and he calls us as stewards stewards of peace with humanity stewards of peace with our environment restoration work starts with redemption and it leads us to new life so again, we go back to Peter. Peter, Jesus didn't die for Peter on the cross so that he could be forgiven and immediately sucked him up into heavenly bliss. Jesus redeemed him to restore him to a place as a disciple. 
to be called to be one of the restorers in the biggest restoration project ever, to restore creation and to the sheep of God's pasture. And so that's what Peter did. Peter preached and he healed and he lived and he led and he prayed and he wrote and he forgave and he communicated. And check out what he wrote in one of his letters, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter wrote, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Peter is bringing restoration to all who are reading that. He's bringing restoration to us right now as we read those words. He's talking about a living hope, a hope that is not dead or stagnant or empty, but a hope that is alive because Jesus is alive, a hope that we were born into by faith in Jesus. And it's a hope that is life for not only here and now, but ultimately fulfilled when Jesus comes again. And then at the end of his letter, 1 Peter, Peter writes about bringing that restorative hope, about being that restorative hope in this world, about seeking to live life like it was back in the garden. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he writes, he says, Above all, and think about these words that Peter writes. He says, love each other deeply. Why do he say that? He experienced a deep love from Jesus Christ. He denied Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus pursued him in great love. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And Peter knew that. He knew it in his own life. And then he goes on and says in verse 9, offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. And then he says this, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. We've all received different gifts in this room. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Those words are pretty powerful the more you unpack them. They're huge because it involves restoring all of creation in all of the different ways you and I have been created. It means bringing restoration to humanity with justice, brings restoration to the environment, restoration to governments, restoration to societal systems, restoration to the poor and the hurting, restoration to art and music and education and so much more. All of it surrounding the salvation and redemption of humanity in Jesus Christ. And Peter continues on, he says, if anyone speaks... They should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's the restoration business that God is in. And we, we are his workers. And he's called us to restore He's restoring us so that we can restore this creation. It's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer just a moment ago, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done here, Lord, like it's in heaven. And as I thought about this more, I see us. I see our church fulfilling our mission of delivering the restorative hope of Jesus. 
I see it in our worship services. I see it in our life groups. I see it in our huge team of lay volunteers. I see it when we serve our city, when we serve Mexico, or we go to Kenya. I see it when we serve here in ministry. I saw it just yesterday in our foster ministry to their foster families and foster kids. I see it in our ministry with our teachers and our school Children's ministry, all over the place. We could go on and on of how we are delivering the restorative hope of Jesus at St. John's. I see it in our, our worship team as they led us just this morning, delivering hope to us, inviting us to worship our creator. In fact, I'd like to invite the worship team back up right now. And as they're coming up, I just kind of want to lead us into our, our, our next part of our service. Um, they're going to lead us in a song in just a moment uh, that's had a big impact on on a lot of people, but it's had a big impact on Renee's life, and Renee's going to be baptized in, in just a moment. We're going to baptize her. But I first wanted uh, to tell you, before we sing that song, I want to tell you a little bit of Renee's story. Uh, she wanted her story to be told, and it fits perfectly into what we're talking about today, about creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Uh, you see, Renee and her husband, Robert, moved to Old Town just a, a few houses down, couple houses away, and then their daughter Sarah was born, and then eventually uh, she came to uh, school here at St. John's, Sarah did. And so, well, let me just read what Renee wrote to me uh, a few months back, and I have her permission to read it, so okay. (laughs) All right. Little did we know that when Sarah would attend St. John's and that our our lives would change in such amazing ways. Uh, This school has been such a blessing for us. We've been so fortunate for the wonderful teachers she has had, Mrs. Molly, Mrs. Warnicky, Mrs. Cook. In the short time we knew Mrs. Warnicky, she impacted all of us. I would memorize the Bible verses she sent home with Sarah every week, and they spoke to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Even Mrs. Warnicky's daily reminders of God is good. She was so special and such a beautiful and gentle soul who will always remain in my heart. She cared about Sarah, taking her in each morning and letting her know that she was okay. And although Sarah missed her mom and dad, that she would see them again in a few hours, she would hug away her tears and email me to know that she was doing just fine. And it was those touching moments that began to shape my heart and prepare me for what was to come next. A little later on in the kindergarten year, after Mrs. Warnicky had died. On Sunday, March 11, 2018, my daughter Sarah and her kindergarten class sang here at the contemporary service. And during the service, the praise band, led by Marco, sang, Give Me Faith. And at that moment, I was transformed. My life, as I knew it, was about to change forever. That song, those lyrics, The atmosphere in the church that morning moved me, and I can say for certain that the Holy Spirit spoke to me loudly. The entire trajectory of my life was altered right then and there. My quest to know more about God began. A few weeks later, I went out and purchased my first Bible. I met with Pastor Hayes. I Googled a lot, and mostly I just started learning as much as I could. I wanted to know so much more. I wanted to know God. I wanted to know Jesus. And for as much as I was starting to learn, I knew this journey was going to be one that would last the entire rest of my life. But I also knew that more than anything, I wanted to know him more. A little while after my journey started that early Sunday morning in March, I attended another service led by Pastor Hayes, and on this particular day, we, le- we learned about Simon of Cyrene. 
they forced him to carry the cross. And how the entire direction of his life was also changed forever in one brief moment. I'm by no means comparing myself to Simon. But I'm saying that God has chosen these paths for us. Simon may have thought he had been mistakenly asked to carry the cross. But I truly believe that that was God's plan all along. It was with purpose that his life was turned around that day. During the first part of my life, I was raised in the Jewish faith. I suppose you could say I was headed in one direction. Little did I know that years later that direction would take a huge turn. My faith would change. My beliefs would change. My yearning would be for Jesus, to know him and accept him, to feel chosen and loved by him, to walk with me and be carried by him, that this would be the path that God had chosen for me. And with that, my life would turn around and start heading in the opposite direction as well. And you know what? Renee writes, my heart couldn't be fuller. I couldn't feel more alive and joyful than I do now. So thank you, Jesus, for all you have given me. I'm the crying pastor. So I, when I read those words, I cried. And when Marco and I read them again, I was crying again. And I'm crying a little bit right now. But talk about the restorative hope of Jesus coming into our lives and changing our lives. And we celebrate that work in your life, Renee.